Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online is an encore presentation. It's some of our best ghost stories of all time. Didn't want to leave you high and dry without an episode, so today you get some of the best real ghost stories that we've ever heard here on Real Ghost Stories Online. And feel free, if you have a real ghost story, to call it in at 855-853-4802, or of course you can always just write in to the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Enjoy today's encore presentation of Real Ghost Stories Online. Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's kick off the show by going to a caller from 855-853-4802. Hi. Morning, Brewskies. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am from the Central Ohio area. I wanted to call in and share a story uh, that centers around uh, some family property that uh, has been in the family since 1836. Uh, there's a cabin that was built there uh, in the mid-1800s, and uh, quite a few generations, uh, well, two generations lived on the property in the cabin uh, through most of the, uh, the existence there. Um, there is a family burial plot on the property, uh, which we discovered uh, when digging a drainage ditch. Uh, my father was running the backhoe, and this was probably 1983 when uh, my family purchased the property uh, from the from our family, and. Uh, we noticed something in the uh, ground as we we're going, and I'm like, that that doesn't really look like a, a rock. And it turned out to be a, a skull of a child. Um, there were 12 children that were born on the property uh, that were have been my great, great grandfather's generation on the property, and only three of them survived. Um, and we found the burial plot that they had all been buried in. So we had all kinds of fun and games with the sheriff and the coroner that had to come and verify that what was going on and uh, why there were so many many skeletons in this field. Uh, you know, and there were not great record keeping of a lot of the births and deaths of these kids at that time. So there was uh, a little bit to do at that point in time. And, the uh, history of the property. Um, as time went along, uh, we planted uh, almost 100 acres of pine trees on the property. And uh, a young friend and I, in uh, probably 84, we were about 12 and 13, uh, we determined one night after working uh, the farm that we were going to camp out in the meadow, uh, which is just below the cabin that has was built uh, in the mid-1800s. Um, it's a two-story log cabin that they had recited and put ten over and added on a couple rooms to. Uh, and there was one window on the second story that looked out of where the kids would have slept when they were younger. Uh, and this window is about eight feet off of the floor. And my friend and I were camping there. We had a little campfire built, and we were sitting around talking and 
and uh, trying to figure out what mischief we were going to get in that night, when I happened to notice something in the reflection off that glass, um, and I kept looking at it, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was, and then my friend goes, do you see that face too? And at that point, we both kind of looked at each other and decided that it was time for us to climb in the tent and go to sleep. Um, I looked out a couple more times and I didn't see the face um, after that, but you know, we both were a little creeped out by it. And uh, I relayed this story to my great grandmother and she goes, oh, that's Mary. That's my little sister. She used to love to climb up on the top of the dresser and look out that window. And I'm like, come on, Grandma. There was nobody there, and there's no dresser there. She's like, no, that's what Mary used to do. Mary died when she was six. So for years, that kind of creeped me out. Um, and my mom used to laugh at me and say, oh, no, Chris, you're just, uh, you were just imagining things. So fast forward uh, to uh, the mid-2000s, my brother built his house on the property, uh, and he is within a stone's throw of the original cabin. Um, and I never really said anything to uh, him about it because he, complete skeptic, doesn't believe in anything he can't touch. Um, and I'm, I'm to a degree the same way, but I've seen some stuff and, you know, there's things that we can't explain. Well, I never said anything in front of his kids about the story and tried to avoid the subject because I didn't want to be blamed for keeping the uh, the uh, kids up at night, fears of ghosts in the cabin next door. I mean, it's bad enough I get blamed for teaching them all the profanities they know. So my nephew was probably about six and he looked at me and he goes, Uncle Chris, he goes, did you ever see the little girl in the cabin? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, there's a little girl that looks out that upstairs window. And he goes, and I can see her at, at night sometimes when I look out my window. And I'm like, Austin, you're imagining things. He's like, no, Chris, Grandma said that you've seen her too. And so Austin and I, my, my nephew and I talked about it, and I told him, you know, it could be anything. It could be the reflection off of the glass. Um, it could be, you know, your mind's looking for patterns so that it can figure out what things are um, and try not to make the kid frightened or anything uh, but in the back of my head I'm going okay we've both seen it and Austin's you know what what kind of made me think that maybe there was something there was the fact that Austin said that she was looking the opposite direction of what I remember her looking at us at so I'm like okay maybe there's something there uh, about three years ago, the cabin started to slip off of its foundation, um, and we lost one of the additions to the uh, cabin that we had to pull off to help save the original logs from sliding off. So uh, my brother and I had to climb under this cabin and cut out a section of uh, timber from the original logs and replace it and run cables through to help pull it back onto its foundation to help save it for, you know, for future generations to see. And we were under there um, 
jacking up the floor, uh, adding braces, and uh, taking care of things like that. And my brother realized that he had left one of the jack handles inside the cabin. So he said, hey, I'm going to run out and grab this and grab a drink of water. Do you okay? And uh, I continued to drill some holes to add some braces in. And after about five minutes, I was like, it's taken him a long time. What's going on? And, you know, this is late August, so it was kind of warm and muggy under there. So uh, I climbed out, went to go see what was up with Mikey, my brother, and uh, I found him sitting on the stoop uh, of the cabin, and he's pale white. And I was like, what's going on? He is, uh, I saw something. I'm like, what do you mean you saw something? He goes, he goes I, I went into the, the main cabin and, and uh, I uh, picked up the jack handle and he goes, I turned and there was a little blonde girl standing there in this weird little dress. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I think I saw the ghost, Chris. And I mean, and he's pale white. He's completely, you know, scared. And I'm like, you're sure? And he goes, she was there one second. He goes, I blinked my eyes really hard and she was gone. And so he's like, he goes, there's something in here. I go, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. So him and I discussed it as he uh, got a little better. And he said he didn't feel threatened or anything. He just thought it was odd. Um, so here recently, we uh, had a family cookout on the property. And uh, my niece, who is four, was running around. Uh, and my son was running around uh, in the meadow talking, playing around. and. My son came up to me and he goes, Dad, he goes, Kelsey's crazy. I'm like, what do you mean you're, what do you mean Kelsey's crazy? He goes, she's talking to some little girl down there. I'm like, it's an imaginary friend. Don't worry about it. I go, just keep going and playing. And my nephew, who's now 13, looked at me and he goes, no, Chris, she talks to a little girl. And I'm like, what? He goes, she talks to her all the time. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if anything, she is a great aunt, and nobody's ever felt threatened by her. Um, so, you know, let her let her play, and you know, unless something happens, you know, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but the gray guy kind of creeps me out. And I'm like, gray guy? What do you mean? He goes, there's a gray man that I've seen wandering through the field. And I'm like all right, Austin, we're going to need to sit down and talk about this. About that time, uh, Kelsey and my son come running around the, the corner, and my son Jack throws up his hands. He goes, Dad, I'm done playing with her. He goes, now she's telling me that the gray man's in the field. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Have, and I looked at Austin, I go, did you tell Jack about some gray guy in the field that you've seen? He goes, no, I haven't told him anything. I didn't want to scare him and get in trouble. So um, apparently there's a nether spirit wandering the property, and uh, my nephew uh, 
is promised to fill me in on some of the stories about the gray man. So uh, once we get those, uh, maybe I'll call back. But hope you guys have a uh, good day. Really enjoy the show and uh, hope to hear my uh, story on the show. Thanks. Have a good day. Wow, that was a great one. Yes, it was. I want to hear about the gray man and I want updates on the niece playing with the little ghost girl. Isn't it so interesting just how nonchalant children can be about this topic? Without, if they've never, never been influenced, you know, by adults or anything on, ooh, scary, spooky, go, you know, it's like, yeah, that gray guy is kind of creepy, but you know, and they and they're aware that these are not necessarily humans, yeah, but they're still, it's a playmate, so a playmate's a playmate, right? You know, they just kind of don't care. But you know what? Honestly, the little, the the niece that's four playing with the little ghost of Mary, she may not realize that Mary isn't seen by everybody sure i mean she may very well think that that's either her imaginary friend Mm -hmm. that you know is just for her or not even realize that it's a ghost at all or i think you could run into the situation sometimes where some kids just think well ghosts are just part of life it's like having a pet yeah you know if they were never really indoctrinated into these are not real. These don't happen. This is if, if nobody's ever had the conversation, and they're you know they're still discovering things. That's the, that's the thing that I think a lot of adults overlook is how much kids are discovering and don't realize, you know. And there may be just some kids that don't realize ghosts are not necessarily part of everyday life, right? You know, a normal everyday life anyway. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I don't know. Very uh, very interesting story. Um, yeah, gosh, I'd love to hear more more from that man. And so, very well told. Yeah, very, very well. So thank you for calling in. Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Here's a letter. Melissa writes, you know, I was listening to your Ghosts of the Queen Mary episode that you posted on 922. You were talking about people who work in cemeteries or funeral homes. My dad works for a landscaping business here in San Diego, California, and part of his work is working in a cemetery. They clean up the yard, dig grave sites, and occasionally lower coffins into the ground. There's a landscaping... (laughs) That's a little bit more than I think was yeah. in the original job description. Yeah. <laughs> they can also make you one hell of a zinnia bed. There you go. <laughs> one day, while taking lunch in the middle of the yard, he hears an elderly woman sobbing. He thought nothing much of it, since people do come and do that. Uh, as her crying continued, he started to look around to see if he can spot her. There was nobody nearby at all. The caretaker of the cemetery was also eating lunch with my dad's group and noticed that my dad was looking around. The caretaker basically said to pay no attention to it. She eventually goes away. She always appears and sobs at this time of the day. He was obviously talking about a crying ghost. My dad tried to keep calm and asked the caretaker, what the hell? The caretaker is so used to seeing and hearing strange things around that it got to the point of it not bothering him anymore, the caretaker said. If you want to hear something really sad, go over to the children's part of the yard. You can clearly hear a young girl crying, to which my dad playfully said, screw you, I'm not that crazy. So many crazy things happened to my dad starting from a very early age. Keep up the good work. Look forward to future shows. There's no way I could just be like, we'll get used to it. 
Or be told to just get used to it. Yeah, there's the children crying over there. There's the lady here. It's no big deal. Is that ham and cheese? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. 855-853-4802. That's her number. Jake writes in, I guess I should start by giving you some background before going into any of the details. I used to clean a building that once upon a time was an insane asylum. It is now a place where children go if they have learning difficulties. The building was opened in the 1820s as a mental hospital. I find it funny that they called them hospitals when they would treat homosexuality with electric shock therapy. But regardless, it stayed open until 1853. It then became a psychiatric facility until about 1985 when it was closed down and became what it is in its present day. The creepiest thing being that you would walk in and you would be standing in the corridor with the cells, now offices, all along the walls straight in front of you. The floor was wooden and was battered through the years and years of hard use. The offices were cells with desks and computers in them. Not a single thing had changed. The doors were thick, solid, and heavy with a metal peephole cut in the middle. A heavy iron inlay was in the corner of every room with a hoop attached. It served as a horrible reminder that when tied up and fearing their treatment would drive them to madness if not already. I would first like to say that I'm six foot two and have studied mixed martial arts for a number of years, so I know that I can take care of myself. But in some of those offices, I would be shaking. Not because I saw any shadow people, but I could feel something dark crawling at the inside of my head, screaming, just scraping away at my sanity with every blood-curdling scream. This wasn't out loud, but inside my head. I would clean the shit up and be out of there like you wouldn't believe. So I would go into the next room, feel almost sad and just at a loss with everything I was feeling, so much empathy for something I couldn't see. And it was the strangest thing. Then we got to where we were now, the woman's toilets. I felt so sick walking into that room. Chills had run up my spine and shake me to my core. It was so cold. I'm a fairly big guy, and whatever that was in there intimidated me and belittled me. I could feel a horrible lurking presence in my face everywhere I was in that room. Something so aggressive and angry at the world. Even my own man would hate being, even my old man would hate being in there, even if it was just for a minute or two. There were so many emotions in that building that you would walk out feeling so drained. Feeling, feelings are all well and good, but that's all they are. You can't really base things on that. This is where my story takes a bit of a twist. I and my dad would do this particular job at around 1 to 2 a.m., nice and dark by then. And being a father and son, it was our duty to scare each other by jumping out from a corner or something along those lines. We walked in. I was feeling brave and stupid. And I shouted, I want to play tonight, boys and girls. You must be in need of some entertainment. Well, I asked and, God damn it, they replied. Before we could stumble through the thick darkness, every single monitor in the building came on. My dad was calling me a thick shit. The shutters on the peepholes slid shut, in order, starting from the furthest away to the heaviest boot footstep that seemed to hit the floor like a slow stroll. In my mind, it seems like it was a warden or a doctor doing their nightly checks. Being stubborn and with a job to do, we pretended like we couldn't hear anything and began to carry out our routine. 
At the end of one of the corridors, there was a large meeting room. A very large room with no windows. Make your own minds up about that one. A big oval-shaped table surrounded by chairs sat in the middle of the room. Now on this side of the building, the lights were still off. I looked into the room on my way to the switches, which were conveniently placed at the end of the lovely darkness that filled every millimeter. I must apologize if people listening are thinking, he's using a lot of words to describe darkness. But it wasn't just darkness. If you can imagine filling a room with that much negativity and evil, it would be blacker than black, almost like you'd have to wade through it to reach your desired location. So the lights came on after a few but clenching moments of the lights flickering to notice that all of the chairs were placed on the table. Some were stacked on top of each other. I didn't hear a thing, not a single thing, pure silence. There was a grand old mirror behind the table and mounted on the wall this next part scares me so bad even writing it I can feel tears in my eyes not out of sadness but through fear a man black as a night completely featureless my height his arms crossed in gentle black mist that seemed to caress his slender figure came walking out of one of the offices it was a walk not crawling along the walls or any exorcist shit. I could see him in the mirror getting closer and closer, but I just couldn't avert my eyes. I couldn't speak or move. I just found myself standing there hopeless with a pole from Henry Hoover in my hand. I couldn't feel... I could feel that screaming in my head again. And as it was filling with those blood-curdling screams... Shaking me to the core, I was so angry. My dad would have walked into the room I was in. I would have ripped his heart out. A cold, pure rage ran through my veins. The more I stared into that mirror, I stopped seeing that thing behind me and averted my eyes back to my own reflection. I was snow white. My eyes were green. They were now black, the whites of my eyes so bloodshot, I looked like Satan himself. I shouted so hard and loud, all I could taste was blood. My dad came running down the corridor, completely unaware. He ran over to me as I dropped my, to my knees with exhaustion. He pulled me out of there like he was going through his basic training again. We left our equipment and all the lights on, locked the door... My dad collected it the next day in the early afternoon. As for me, I slept for two days and two nights, waking up for 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there to eat and to use the throne. Never gone back to that hellish place and never intend to. If people are worrying that it has latched onto me after that experience, I haven't had anything follow me. My grandma is a hard ass and I believe she's looking down on me, keeping bad shit away. A couple things to take away from this tale. Number one, don't be a dipshit and antagonize things you have no clue about. Even if you do have a clue, I wouldn't recommend it. Number two, if you find yourself in an insane asylum, ghosts are already nice and pissed off. Make sure your work partner, and in my case my dad, isn't in a completely different part of the building jamming to Johnny Cash. Again, a huge hello from England. Thank you for your time, guys. You're just spiffy. Cheers, Jake. I don't have a lot to say about his story, but I love the way he writes. Yeah. Jake, I think you're pretty spiffy, too. 
Yeah, you are. Yeah, I would love to hear more stories if you got any, Jake. But that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, it's almost like like where it takes him over. He saw that transformation, whether it was actually physical or just something that was manifesting itself in the mirror. And kind of reminiscent of you know Amityville-ish or something there, but just dark. Great story. Great story. Real ghost stories online. Uh, Amanda writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. I called in once before, and you aired my story on August 28th episode of Haunted Hospital. It was about the time when I was seven, and I encountered something in the closet while playing hide-and-seek. I decided to write in this time, because there's such... A story to tell. So much of a story to tell. I thought it would be easier this way. As I said in my call, we lived in the house for about a year before anything happened. The incident in the closet was the beginning of the occurrences. I looked at my grandparents and my mother, though she had a lot of health problems and wasn't always there with us. After my little freakout in the closet, my parents started hearing footsteps in my room at night. There was a heavy, quick stomping sound like kids running around. I'd often wake up to my grandma coming upstairs to check and make sure I was in bed. Every single time the footsteps would stop when she got to the top of the stairs and saw me in bed. It was never me. Eventually, she just stopped coming to check. All of us would often hear our names called. If we weren't home alone, whoever was with us would always say they hadn't called for us. A couple times, my grandma said she'd wake up in the middle of the night to see what she thought was me, standing in the doorway to her room, a small dark shape of a person. When she turned on the light, it was gone. When we first moved into the house, my parents took one of the bedrooms downstairs. They only stayed in it about a month after the weird things began. And they then switched rooms. They never told me why. They turned it into a guest room. After a couple of family members refused to stay in it a second time, it became a storage room. They never told me what happened to make people scared of it, but I'd always get in trouble if I even so much as opened the door. In the backyard was a detached garage that we were not allowed to see. My parents said that the owner of the house we were renting had the key and used it as storage. Never once in the whole nine years that we lived there did the owners ever come and get anything out of it or put anything in it. But sometimes handprints would appear on the grime on the inside of the windows. The place creeped me out and I stayed away from that side of the yard. Electronics malfunctioned all the time. It got to the point where my parents told people not to buy me electronic toys. They would not only stop working but would sometimes do things that they shouldn't have been able to do. Once a talking doll made a creepy growling sound that scared me and a friend so badly that we threw it into a closet and made my grandpa come upstairs to take it away. Lights flickered at least once a day. The TV and radios would go on and off. The telephone would pick up what sounded like other people's calls, even though it wasn't cordless and shouldn't have been able to do that. Sometimes the phone would ring and there would be nothing but a strange, almost metallic sound on the other end. Objects would often move from where you placed them, not in the course of several hours, but in seconds. One particular example I remember was when I was making pancakes. I set a frying pan on the counter, turned to the fridge to get milk, and turned back to see the pan all the way across the room from where I'd set it. This happened while I was alone in the house. Once a friend and I wanted to see if cats talked while no one was home. We were about eight or nine and just watched Homeward Bound. 
So we set up a little stereo. I had to record on a blank tape and left it in my upstairs bedroom. When we came back a little while later, having gone out with my family, we played the tape back. About 15 minutes into it, we started to hear unintelligible but very distinct whispering. We hurriedly shut it off and threw the tape away. Well, she's got her answer. The cats talked. The cats talked? That's what it was. It was cats talking. <laughs> that's all that was. But they, they do. But didn't sound cartoony and cute. But that's how they, they sound. They whisper to each other. Cats talk when you're not around. Okay. <laughs> at least that's what I like to believe. <laughs> Continuing on, what's even stranger than all this, at least to me, is that while the haunting started out very scary, as time went on, the things that happened became more and more playful. A few times even protective. One day, about a year before we moved out, I was home alone making a pot of coffee. The coffee pot was kept unplugged in the corner of the counter. I had to pull it out and pull it in to use it. I turned away to check the bacon and realized I had forgotten to put the glass pot on the burner. I turned back and found the coffee pot switched off, unplugged, and pushed back into the corner with the glass pot put back on the burner. I also believe the spirits or entities or whatever it was helped us one night a few years before that. I was home alone with my mother and it was in the afternoon. There was a raging storm outside so bad that the streets were flooding and the power was off. We were sitting in the living room when someone started banging on the front door. We thought it was her parents so we ran to it. But it wasn't them. We could see through the window at the top of the door a very tall man with long, straggly hair and a really pissed-off expression. He was soaking wet and banging on the door. When, we saw, when he saw us, he said, Let me in. We didn't know this man, and I assumed he was a drunk or something who just wanted out of the rain, but he was really aggressive and he scared me. I told my mother not to let him in. My mother, God rest her, had zero common sense, and she tried to open the door. The door to the house was so old that the knob was worn and useless. The deadbolt was locked. It swung open with just a light breeze. I ran to hide in the living room and watched my mother undo the deadbolt and pull on the door and it still would not open. She, sh- she held on and leaned all of her weight on it. That door would not open. It had never done this before and never did it since. The man got frustrated and left and her parents came home soon after that. When we told them what had happened, they agreed that there was no way the door would have refused to open. We moved out about a month before I turned 15. The activity never once ceased in all that time. Though, as I said, it did gradually become less scary and more playful. A, common, uh, a couple of months before we moved out, I finally saw an apparition. I was home alone with my baby brother, who was about eight months old at the time. It was in the evening and sitting. I remember being about being about nine at the time, and it was January, I believe, so it was very dark outside. I was in the living room, my brother asleep in his crib. There were no lights on except the one right next to me on the end table on the television. I was watching TV, and for some reason, I turned and looked toward the entryway into the kitchen. I only saw him for a second, but it was so clear. To this day, I can still remember him. It was a man in a dark suit with pale skin and dark hair. His hair was messy and his tie was undone. He sort of shuffled past the doorway, straight into his solid wall, disappearing. He looked like he was riding, uh, wringing his hands. I saw, I sat there frozen. 
for I don't know how long. I was still sitting there, just like that, when my family got home, even though it didn't feel threatening in any way. It absolutely terrified me. We moved not long after that. No house I've lived in since has had any activity, and certainly not to the level this one did. My mother and grandparents have since all passed away, and the house itself sat empty for a couple of years after we moved out. It was eventually demolished and turned into a parking lot. I'm a little sad it's gone, and I still dream about it sometimes. I've tried to look into the history of the house, but haven't found anything. I wish now that I'd asked my parents more about it, about what they'd experienced themselves and if they knew anything about the house. For a while after we moved, I tried not to think about it. Once we were out of the house, I finally realized just how scary it had been. It had seemed normal at the time because that was how I grew up. Looking back on it, I wonder how we were able to live there for so long. But the time, by the time I was older and starting to get curious about the house, there was no one to ask. To my knowledge, there was never even an attempt at ridding the house of whatever was haunting it. Just typing about it now is giving me the chills. I wish I knew more about it and I'll keep digging. If I do manage to find something, I'll write it and let you know. Thank you for your show. It's very entertaining. Thank you for giving people an outlet. I was lucky enough to have people around who believe me. I know how important that can be in making you feel better about a scary experience. So, I really like that the ghost tried to keep the door closed so that the mother couldn't let the psychopath in. Yeah, it sounded like it really was a helpful ghost. Like it was it was playing the role of common sense for the mom. Right. <laughs> you know, who didn't seem to have much. Right. I mean, I think just having a ghost is scary, but it sounds like he wasn't, you know, that bad of a one to have around, assuming that it's just one. Real ghost stories online. Let's go to a caller from 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, this is Andrew from Los Angeles. Uh, I want to tell you a couple of experiences that I've had in uh, Southern California. Um, I was living in an apartment uh, with my now wife, and um, one time uh, it was during the it was on a Saturday during the day, and uh, we were I was in the kitchen, and the kitchen faced um, the living room, and my wife was sitting on the couch, and. Um, you know, we were just talking, and it was um, it was in the fall. It wasn't too hot, it too cold in LA. And um, suddenly, as we were talking, I suddenly heard a, a ching, a really loud like glass ching, ping sound coming from behind me. So I turned around into the kitchen, and I looked, and I noticed um, that there was no, you know, that we had no bottles out or anything except one whiskey glass and these were like really expensive thick whiskey glasses and as I got closer to it I noticed that there was like a little impact point and I picked up the top of it and it had completely been severed from the top so about a quarter away from the top completely severed in half so clean that I literally put it on the counter and it was almost perfect Anyway, so uh, my wife came over and I, I was like, what happened? And I explained. And so the first thing I do is I want to debunk it. So I, I start looking around. I check all the windows. I make sure there's no... Um, excuse that. <laughs> I'm at work. Um, uh, I, I check to see if there was any impact through the window. Something went through a bullet or something. Or, a, you know, nothing fell near it. There was nothing near it. There was no moisture. The glass had been washed 
the day before. So it was just sitting on the counter by itself. So that was the first uh, experience. Um, the second one was uh, we had this little balcony, enclosed balcony on the same apartment. And one of the uh, one evening, um, you know, my wife and I we were just sitting there drinking in the evening. We would sit there drinking, listening to music, relaxing. And uh, we had this chenille blanket over the seat, this, this kind of like a lawn chair. And it was hanging over and it has these tassels. Um, and we just sit there, you know, and relax and be comfortable. And um, anyway, so next morning I come in to kind of clean up a little bit. And I noticed that the tassels on the chenille blanket were tied into a ball, literally that you could not pull out. So all these tassels were tied into a ball and this chenille where these tassels were hanging was literally um, five, six inches from the top of the, the seat. So I was literally trying to pull them apart and I couldn't and I thought, oh, it must be like a rat or something. And you know, anyway, so I'm driving to work and I suddenly get this shiver. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I quickly call my wife and I'm like, oh my gosh, you, Kelly, you're not gonna believe this. I said, you know, the chenille blanket and, and the tassels, I said, I know what happened. I said, that used to be an old lady's sewing room. And in that room, there's all these little drawers for threads and sewing materials that would go in there. And this old lady used to live there. And I think maybe that's, she didn't agree with me drinking either <laughs> whiskey. So it's probably uh, her uh, letting us know that she didn't agree with the, the whiskey glass or the, um, the tassels. And then uh, we moved to another house and um, we had an experience there where one day I was at work late and my wife was putting my son to sleep. She was laying in bed with him around 7.30 um, and in our, at the time, new house. And um, she calls me up and she says, did you just come home? And I said, no, I'm, I'm still at work. And she goes, well, I just heard the front door and somebody walked through the house. So I just said, no, I'm still at work. So. This ended up happening to me. So I'd be in bed around the same time with my son, just putting him to sleep, reading him a story, and then just cuddling with him while he falls asleep. And I would hear the front door, and I would hear somebody coming through, and I thought, oh, my wife's here, and she would never be there. So this happened to us a bunch of times, but the energy was never negative. It was always like, it always felt comfortable. Um, and then when we were moving out of the house, my wife was saying goodbye to the house, you know, as she was the last one to leave. And um, she said she went into my son's room and um, she was saying goodbye. And she kind of, we always felt like it was a male presence, but she said goodbye. And she said, she, and she has an amazing hearing, but she said she heard somebody in the room talking. It was kind of a muffled voice, but it was there and it was in the room and it was almost like he was talking to her. So she kind of knew that that was the um, presence in the home. Um, so that was the last one on the, that house. Um, and then we moved to a, another house. And this has been happening, this was happening in the last couple of years. Um, I think this, actually this one was last year. Um, I was coming out of a garage of my last house and walking past the office window. And I noticed the blinds were flapping. It was like three, four of the blinds were flapping. And I thought, ah, my son, he ducked down on the other side when he saw me coming. And I looked down from the window looking into the office and he wasn't there and I just kind of stood there looking and the blinds were just moving and moving and they didn't slow down and they just kept moving and so I started moving my face closer to the glass and suddenly they went dead still and that's really bizarre because blinds do that naturally they would you know gravity would slow them down anyway so they, they stopped perfectly still my face is right against the glass and then they start moving again so I quickly go into the house 
as I walk in, I see my son sitting in front of the TV with a blanket, my wife's in the bath, the air conditioning's off. And so, you know, so that was kind of a, I wonder what that, what the heck that was. Anyway, um, about a week later, I was the only one in the house. And, we, and in the house, we have this, the whole, all the house has been changed and updated, and it's a rental. And we have this one room, and it's this, it, used to be the, it used to be the dining room. And um, it has all this old wooden paneling. It's always, it's always felt like a bit of a creepy room. Anyway, I have this little wine refrigerator. So I'm, I'm, I'm bending down to get you know, wine out of the wine refrigerator, and suddenly I feel a slap on my bum. And I look up. The first thing coming out of my mind is on my wife she's mucking about and suddenly realized I'm alone at home and it was very obviously a slap on my bum. Um, it felt weird but I didn't feel like a negative energy or anything like that. I didn't feel cold or any, you know, anything around it. Uh, and then about two days later I was sitting in the evening watching TV with my wife and suddenly I felt something pushing on my thigh, like just pushing down on my thigh and I just turned to my wife and I'm like, oh my gosh, something's pushing down on me. I don't know what it is. And, you know, it didn't feel cold or anything with the air. It just, it just was very surreal. Um, and then um, I started noticing things on the corner of my eye, which is like one of those shadows. And my wife, I, I told my wife this, and she said she noticed the same. And she had, she told me on numerous occasions she had seen something moving in the corner of her eye. And at one time she did see a shadow person moving through the dining room, which is exactly where I had seen this shadow figure. And I asked my son, and he at the time was like seven, eight, and I said to him, do you, do you ever see anything when you're watching TV? And he goes, um, yeah, sometimes he sees something moving across the dining room. And I didn't ask him if it scares him. I tried to play it down so it doesn't freak him out. And um, he's told me several times he's seen this figure moving, this black figure moving from the kitchen through the dining room. And one time we were sitting in bed, and I was reading a story and to him, and he said to me, what was that? And he, had seen, he saw basically the black figure move across the hallway uh, where the bedrooms are, heading towards my bedroom, which leads me to the experience where a couple of times I've woken up at night and I felt somebody was in the room. But you know when you're so groggy, you can't really, you think you're either dreaming still or you're just partially coming out of a dream. But I've always felt like I could hear somebody walking in my room on the carpet and, and just moving around and feeling a presence. So, um, so you know, those are the kind of experiences I've had in these homes. Um, I'll call in next time with my movie theater experience, which I had with my son recently. So um, love the show. You guys are awesome. And I think it's just, it's just making this more of a reality that um, the paranormal does exist and there's something more than who we are and what, where we are. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your stories with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's really curious with the uh, the woman in that the first house that he talked about, where it, it did kind of make sense. She didn't like him drinking. Uh-huh. Like, did that's amazing what she did to that bottle, where it was like cut sure. in half. I mean, that that would be very curious. I mean, because if it were to fall off the counter and break, or if another knocked it off the counter and broke it, how are you going to get a break like that? You know, where right. it's just. Almost like cut glass. <laughs> We've tried cutting wine bottles and had no success with that, <laughs> yeah. even with the tool designed yeah, to do it. That didn't work out very well. But uh, yeah, and then uh, the other things are going very, very interesting. Anything else you want to add into that? You know, I always wonder is it better to see a shadow person just flat out see them, they're there, or just the out of the corner of your eye? What would bother you more? 
I think out of the corner of my eye, I can write it off as, oh, it's just me. And there'd be that, that shadow of a doubt that I could kind of go with and go, eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. And kind of rest it on the maybe not uh-huh. and not be super disturbed. If I saw it full on and there's a shadow person there, then there's no doubt of what you saw. You either are going to start thinking there's something wrong with you psychologically or you're going to be freaked out going, okay, this exists. Yeah. And there it is. So I think if it were up to me, as much as I say I'd like to see a ghost or something, I'd, I'd, I'd be more... You know, Preferably, you know, often kind of the, the side vision. See, I think I'd rather just flat out see it and then know. Get it done with? Yeah. And yeah. instead of this kind of out of the corner of my eye. Like a band-aid, just rip it right off. Yeah, there it is. Okay. That's how I am. That makes sense. There you go. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, an encore presentation of some of our best ghost stories we've ever gotten. If you have a real ghost story, you can call it into us at 855-853-4802 or write in on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And remember, if you want more bonus episodes that you can feed off of anytime you want, just sign up to be an EPP through our website as an extra podcast person at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.